A nation without borders is not a nation. Beginning today, the United States of America gets back control of its borders, gets back its borders. To keep radical Islamic terrorists out of the United States of America, we don't want them here. Well, to many, I guess, if you think of those comments from Donald Trump at face value, yes, nations do have borders. I guess people don't want terrorists in their country either. But is it the right way to go about it, shutting up those borders to all refugees for 120 days, stopping Syrian refugees from entering the United States indefinitely? Certainly it sparked anger at home, but also from the global community and related international agencies, such as the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. We can now hear from a member of UNHCR on its response to the refugee ban. Mr. Christopher Boyan is Senior Public Information Officer for the organization. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And just to recap, a report by UNHCR put the number of people forcibly displaced around the world at nearly 65 million at the end of 2015. That was an increase from around 60 million a year earlier. We can presume the numbers increased significantly from there. Can you give us an idea of how severe the, the crisis is worldwide? Well, those are the latest global numbers that we have released. We do that once a year, and it's a very, very uh, exhaustive process in consolidating the data and then releasing it. So our next report will be coming out in June for looking back at 2016. But you are correct. We, The world is witnessing a global a refugee crisis of unprecedented proportions, really. We are seeing more people than ever who are being forced to flee their homelands to escape war, conflict, and persecution. So it is a crisis of enormous proportions, and really all countries need to come together to face this challenge uh, in a way that is coordinated and concerted and that addresses the very real humanitarian needs before us. What's your response to the executive order by Mr. Trump, this immigration ban uh, regarding the United States? Well, f first of all, the UN Refugee Agency, as its name would suggest, is concerned first and foremost with the people that I just mentioned who have been forced to flee conflict, war, and persecution, and who are in very desperate and real need of, of life-saving assistance. Our job is to keep the focus on those human beings in parts of the, all over the world, really, mm. who need that support and who are entitled to support and protection and safety and the ability to get their lives back on track. So our focus remains firmly on that. So, and with respect to the United States, the United States is a long-standing and very valued partner of the United Nations system in general and of our agency in particular, and has shown for many, many decades now really great leadership in making sure that that compassionate response to people in real need and and security questions work together in such a way that uh, people that need the help, they receive that help. Yeah. I mean, I think we do have to distinguish at this point as well between um, wider immigration issues and refugees, just to highlight that point. But what have the immediate effects of this executive order been on refugees, those seeking uh, a safe haven. We'd all seen the scenes of airports getting blocked up and, and actually a, a, a real warmth from many Americans who wanted to make it absolutely clear they were not hand-in-hand hand with Donald Trump on this. But still, uh, there were clearly many affected by it. 
Yes, well, I think everybody saw the scenes in the first day or two or three after the executive order was signed and, and published at airports. It's true there was a little bit of initial uh, confusion, crossed wires perhaps. Things are moving very quickly, and they were resolved fairly promptly. I think uh, my organization is in close contact with the U.S. authorities, and they've shown goodwill to make sure that any questions or issues that arose that weren't foreseen were resolved promptly and with a good deal of focus. But things are changing, as you know, uh, constantly at the moment on this, and the the executive order itself is being examined in the U.S. judicial system. So, as I said, we're in close contact with the U.S. authorities. We're, we're monitoring events closely, and we're doing our best to make sure that the people that we are concerned with around the world, the refugees, people forced to flee their countries, uh, receive timely and comprehensive information and are made as well aware of what their options are going forward as possible. Well, the Obama administration set a target of 110 thousand refugee admissions for the fiscal year of 2017. Uh, how does the U.S. actually compare to other countries around the world? Well, the United States is by far the, the, the country that takes the most refugees for resettlement in, 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 in the third country, in the United States. Uh, there are around 30 countries around the world that do accept refugees for resettlement. Each country sets its own quotas, and those quotas may change from, from year to year, depending on the needs and the, the realities of those countries. These are decisions that are made by the sovereign governments of those states. And so they, they change, they fluctuate from year to year, and the United States is far and away the largest country of resettlement for refugees. Now, that said, it's a, it's a discretionary thing, and, and the United States has been a model, we feel, in many ways for, for the world in, in terms of how to deliver that kind of compassionate response to refugees. Really, we're talking about the most vulnerable in an already extremely vulnerable population, mm. women and girls at risk, victims of torture, um, people, including children, with very acute medical needs. So the people that the refugees that ever even have a chance of being resettled to another country are less than 1% of all refugees, and they don't choose where they're going to go. Um, it's up to countries uh, themselves to make those decisions about who will and who will not be admitted for resettlement. Um, just as a brief tangent, one thing I'm very wary of is solely pointing the finger at Donald Trump on this or the United States on this. Um, of course, we, we want the U.S. to continue to be a beacon for those seeking a safe haven. But um, last year, there was a great furore here in South Korea, and government figures showed that since 1994, at the time of writing by Voice of America last August, 1,144 Syrians alone had requested asylum in South Korea, but refugee status had been granted to only three of those. Um, so presumably your, your concern in terms of developed, supposedly uh, advanced democracies is not uh, restricted to the United States. Well, no, it certainly is not. I think uh, some of what we're seeing in the United States today, we're seeing in, in, in a number of countries around the world as well. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact, first of all, that the UN Refugee Agency fully shares the goal of of making sure that any refugee resettlement programs are as safe and secure as possible. And 
we understand perfectly well that all countries have an obligation to manage their own borders and to know who is crossing them. That's a, a basic, really, a function of a, of a national government, and mm. we, we understand that and, and we support that. It's also, though, important to, to recognize that a well-managed, robust, and effective, and humane uh, refugee or asylum programs are really very much an integral part of genuine border security and national security. Not, they don't stand in opposition to that. So that's how, that's how we look at the equation, and, and our organization stands ready to engage constructively with the new U.S. administration and with national governments around the world that would like our expertise and our support in making sure that those two pieces uh, come together in a way that works for that country. Let's talk about um, one of the controversies that also arose recently, a recent phone conversation between Donald Trump and Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, Mr. Trump ended up criticising a deal that former President Barack Obama had signed with the Australian government to accept 1,250 refugees from the country, calling it a dumb deal in a tweet. I mean, I, I know you've been very diplomatic throughout the course of this conversation and, and recognising the importance of the United States, but that sort of tweet must be concerning for you? Well, uh, my, my organization does not get involved in the conduct of national policy by the United States or any other country. That particular deal you're referring to, by the way, UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, was not a party to that deal, so that's very much a bilateral uh, matter between the United States and Australia. Well, fair enough, but th this general attitude, this idea of, uh, of shifting policy... Um, this is indefinite as far as Syrians are concerned. What would your message be to the U.S. and, and to any government that's listening now or, or going to be listening to you in the future um, as, as far as this situation is actually worsening rather than getting better with the millions and millions that we referred to before in desperate need of a home? Yes. Well, you know, I, I say often, and I'll say it again now, I think this is when you really look closely at the situation here. I think it's not that complicated for any human being to look at another human being who is genuinely, desperately in need of life-saving assistance and support. I think we all know what, uh, what human beings have to do in response to that. Now, as I said earlier, border security is, of course, a very real consideration. All countries uh, make policy decisions on how they're going to uh, manage their borders, how they're going to respond to refugees, where that, that the, the, the humane policies and the security policies meet. And we recognize that all countries have the, the obligation to do that, and each does it in its own way. But my message is that those, those are not contradictory uh, propositions by any means. And we believe that uh, well-managed and, and humane and compassionate response to refugees and asylum seekers does not in any way um, subvert the very legitimate uh, goal of making sure a country manages its borders securely and knows who's crossing them. One of the uh, comments that we see consistently coming up is that we should be building bridges, not walls. Um, again, I'm wary that you, you're not wanting to target anyone in particular, but speaking generally, the idea of building a wall at a border, what would your message be on that particular subject? Well, yes, we, we are seeing now in the United States and around the world uh, a great deal of debate on the notion of walls or very um, 
impermeable border installations of some sort. And again, it's up to all countries to to manage their borders in the in the way they judge best. Um, my organization has uh, a good deal of experience with uh, walls and other sorts of impediments and obstacles that are that are that are erected around around the world in various places and on various borders. And I, I think, first of all, it's important to recognize that it is not a crime to cross a border to seek asylum. For a human being who is whose life is in jeopardy, to cross a border and ask for protection and safety is not a crime. Now, there's a lot of discussion about walls in the United States and elsewhere, whether they work, whether they fulfill the purposes intended and things like that. But what we have seen around the world um, is that those kinds of obstacles also force people to find other ways around them, to find ways to, you know, people who are running for their lives will find a way to reach safety somehow and somewhere. And what we have seen in many places around the world is that when when borders, uh, walls, and other obstacles are erected, those desperate human beings turn to human traffickers and smugglers and very unsafe, unpredictable routes and die in larger Mm. numbers very often as a result of that. So, uh, you know, managing borders is is a national prerogative, and and that we understand. But it's also important to recognize that I don't know that there are any borders that are enough to stop the human drive to survive, and people who are in that sort of desperate situation will look for ways to stay alive. It just makes the chances of that happening lower when when the routes are, are... blocked all around. Mr. Boyan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Christopher Boyan from UNHCR. We do welcome feedback right now on this. You might sympathize with Donald Trump when he talks about wanting to keep bad dudes out of the United States. There's an irony though, isn't there? Because he's appealed, hasn't he, to so many Christian voters on other Christian values. The idea of dismissing groups of people as bad dudes doesn't sound like a very enlightened attitude. But at the same time, many will respect the need for protecting borders, as we've even just heard there from UNHCR. Texas, pound a sharp, 1013 for 51 per message.